The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. After Jesus had cast out a demon, some of the people said, He casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, while others, to test him, sought from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and house falls upon house. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come down upon you. When a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, its goods are at peace. But when one stronger than he assails him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he passes through waterless places seeking rest, and finding none, he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and brings seven other spirits, more evil than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. The Gospel of the Lord. There's a lot of uh, details in today's gospel, and it's a very complicated gospel, and so it's hard to attempt to kind of get to all of the points in which the Lord is making today. But one, again, is always helpful, is the first reading. And so to look at the context of the first reading and see uh, what is happening then, what can we bring from that first reading into the gospel. And so the prophet Joel, it's interesting, right? He is addressing a divided kingdom. He is addressing the kingdom uh, of uh, God's people that has now become divided. And so what's happened is after Solomon, uh, the kingdom divides between Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, and Jeroboam, who then takes up 10 of the tribes uh, in the north. And you have this division in the kingdom of God. And so the prophet Joel is addressing, and there is some debate as to whether or not he's addressing the north or the south, but I think that that debate is somewhat, uh, well, I just think it's, it can either be the north or the south. <laughs> and so, uh, because both have fallen into particular types of error. And so the reason for the division in the kingdom is because there is a rejection of the authority that God establishes through the kings that he wills, right? So through the house of David. The Lord makes a covenant with David, and so he establishes David's kingdom and David's dynasty forever. And so it'll be from David's line that the Christ will come, the Messiah will come, and he will establish his kingdom for eternity. And what happens is, is that because of corruption, so there is corruption in Solomon himself, 
Uh, he ends up at the end of his life becoming somewhat a tyrant. And so there is a rejection of his authority. And what happens is then all the tribes in the north, they reject that authority, that dynasty, and that kingship, which the Lord himself has willed for his people. And they do it because they think they are justified in walking away from what they see as uh, corruption and sinfulness. But what happens is when they break from that legitimate authority and they go into the north, almost immediately they fall into apostasy. So they end up establishing Jeroboam. Uh, he ends up establishing two golden calves for the people to worship. That's interesting, right? So even their worship becomes divided. And so these two golden calves are set up in different cities. The people end up worshiping those golden calves. And then what happens is, with, as always, with the rejection of a le legitimate authority, is that they end up in the northern kingdoms warring against themselves for that authority. And so in the northern kingdoms, there ends up being nine dynasties, all at war with each other, all trying to reach and grab for power and authority, but none of it is the authority that God wills. And yet in the south, uh, they are also, even though they have the temple, they also fall into laxity. They fall into uh, a neglect of right worship. They don't go into full apostasy but they do neglect somewhat the temple and right worship and the word of God at different points. And so what the Lord then sends through his prophets at these time, so you have all of the prophets, some of the prophets go to the north like Elijah and Elisha, other prophets go to the south uh, like Isaiah. And the Lord is sending all of these prophets to call his people back to right worship to unity and to be under the uh, rule and the governance that the Lord desires for his people, which is the lineage and the dynasty of David. And so it is to this divided kingdom that the prophet is speaking, and he is speaking about a coming judgment. He says there is a judgment for this type of activity when something divides, right? The Lord wants unity. And at the end of the book of the prophet Joel, you can see that that unity is under right worship in Jerusalem. That's what the Lord wants, and it's Mount Zion. And so at the end of the book, in chapter 3 of Joel, he speaks about the coming when the Lord will dwell on Zion and water will flow from the temple. And so you have this establishment, this prefigurement of Christ himself, the king who will come and establish his rule, but also through that lineage of David. And so just taking that then, those ideas into the gospel, this idea of correcting a divided kingdom, a kingdom that cannot stand if it is divided. And so this accusation then that comes against the Lord once he casts out a demon, a ridiculous accusation, he casts out demons by the power of the devil. That's what they accuse him of. And the Lord says, as they know themselves, no kingdom divided can stand. It will be laid waste. And they know that from their own experience. Because after the kingdom had divided, then what happened is the kingdoms in the north went in, they were uh, conquered, and they were dispersed and scattered throughout all of the lands. But also the kingdom in the south was then taken into exile. And so the kingdom was, and it fell in a certain sense, until it was brought back by the prophets and under uh, Zerubbabel back down to Jerusalem. And so the Lord, what happens is he returns to them to address them because he knows that they are accusing him of working uh, by the power of the devil, but also they still want to test him. 
so their hearts are hard. They want signs from heaven, as if casting out a demon was not a big enough sign. So what happens is, is that they reject all of the signs and the miracles that the Lord works, and they always make other excuses as to how he is able to do these things. And so it shows in their hearts that their hearts are not open to even receive any sign that came from heaven. And, but he gives them another sign, which is that he reads their hearts. He knows their thoughts, something only God can do. And so he, knowing their thoughts, says to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and house falls upon house. And so a kingdom will not seek to divide itself, or it is laid waste, but the kingdom of Satan always wars against the kingdom of God, and the way in which he wars against the kingdom of God is by causing division within the house of God. That is the work of Satan as he attempts in God's house to cause division because that is the way he knows it can lead to collapse if there is that type of division. And so what they don't seem to recognize is that the Lord himself obviously works by the power of the Holy Spirit, but they are the ones who work by the spirit of Antichrist, everything that is against Christ. They accuse him of casting out demons with the power of demons, and yet they seek to cast Christ out by the power of evil, right? So they are being animated by this spirit of division. And this is a problem, I mean, right throughout the history of the church. Every time there is division, it always causes further division. You can look at the Protestant rejection of papal legitimate uh, authority within the church, and after that break, there wasn't a unified Protestant church. There is a continuing splintering under that break, uh, as there is always this vying for authority. Um, when it is not given by God. And then even in our own time, there are false divisions that can enter into the church, things that are not real divisions. Um, for instance, you have the so-called division between liberal and conservative, a political statement, right? Something that is from politics is projected into the church in order to cause further division. But it's a non-reality, right? In the church, there is only orthodoxy or not. There is either being in the faith or not being in the faith. The Spirit of God is one. The faith is one. There is not a division within that. And so you can see that even when those types of divisions come and they come into the church, like this false division of liberal and conservative, the irony is that at both ends of that spectrum, they end up rejecting papal authority and legitimate authority. And so while it might appear to be two different movements, it's the same movement against authority which is that on the liberal side of it, the so-called liberal side of it, it's normally a rejection of papal authority to govern moral issues. Or on the more conservative side of it, uh, it might be the rejection of papal authority over, say, the disciplines of the church and the sacraments. But either way, it is a rejection of the authority that God wills. And so that type of division is a false division, and it doesn't exist within the house of God and should not enter in through the temptations of Satan. And so the Lord refutes them. He shows that what their arguments are ridiculous, but he also warns them as well, um, which is that what the right purpose of the house is for, the temple, which we are. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. And so that when we are released from sin by the grace of God, we have to make sure that within us we keep that right worship, that we foster that grace, 
that we increase within us what should be the activities of the temple and the worship of God. Because it is not enough to simply be liberated from evil. We must be filled with the Spirit of God so that we are not this empty house that other spirits that can, can then just simply come back and take possession of. And so the Lord is calling us to be and to work under the inspirations of his Holy Spirit, a spirit which unites and does not divide, a spirit which causes right worship and love of God, a spirit of unity, a spirit that is the animation within us of the living out of our faith and the love of God. And we must keep that Holy Spirit within us always, never losing that spirit by sin, but always fostering grace within us and seeking to grow in holiness so that we can become a dwelling of the Lord, that we can live in his unity, and that we can participate in the activities and the love of his kingdom. Amen.